So I promised you that by the end of week two, I'll be sharing with you some of my business ideas, and I think it's only fair that I do that now. So I'm going to give you four, and for each one, I'm going to say what it is, why I think it would work, how I'd make it work, how scalable it is. And remember, I want to start something small, but I want it to grow very, very big, very quickly. And I want to say how future-proof it is, because I want to be joining a, a growth industry on the way up. Um, hopefully, if you're watching this in 2018, you're probably friends and family, and you probably find it quite funny seeing me talking like this. But I'm hoping you find this video interesting, because you'll know by watching this video that I am actually going to go into one of these businesses, and I'm going to give it, a, give it my best shot. And if you're watching it 2022, maybe you're involved in this business somewhere, you're a customer or a colleague or maybe even an investor. And if you're watching it 2030, then maybe you've watched one of these businesses try and fail, or maybe one's a national brand or even a global brand. That'd be good. So I'm going to jump straight in with business idea number one. And business idea number one is to create a pizza and ice cream franchise. And the reason I've chosen this is because... Pizza and ice cream are two products in the catering industry that for some reason always attract a really, really high profit margin. So I wouldn't be wanting to try something very risky or adventurous or impose a new dining style onto the masses. I'd just be giving people exactly what they want and what people want is pizza and ice cream. The way that I differentiate myself from other pizza and ice cream operators and the, this links into why I think this is work is because I would just aggressively strip away all of the costs and all of the faff involved in running the restaurant and then I pass these cost savings onto the customer in a very affordable product. I'm not an expert in many things but I can safely say that through working for my parents restaurant I have become very conscious of and I would actually say I'm an expert on all of the hidden overheads and expenses that the staff don't really see, definitely the customers don't see or appreciate but which the restaurant owner has to bear. And so with every decision I'd be making on this pizza and ice cream franchise, I would always be saying, will this cost us money? Should we take reservations? No, because that's going to cost the staff time and software. Should the staff wear a uniform? No, we'll give them a cap so they can be identified. Let's do cardboard for the boxes in the restaurant, which the pizza's coming. That's where we don't need plates. We don't need a dishwasher. And so I'd always be thinking in this decision-making process, will it cost us money? And if so, how can we strip that back? And then I'd want to celebrate that. So I'd be using taglines like all about the pizza, back to the pizza and really sort of just just making it cool and celebrating the fact that we're not giving all of the stuff that people don't need we're just really focusing on that pizza and ice cream one of the business i i quite respect and I, I i like and it would be a similar business model would be nando's so it would be pizza and ice cream but given to you in a nando's style if you look at the, uh, the eating out industry at the moment in the uk or the casual dining uh, industry it's in turmoil and loads of big, big chains are closing down outlets and downsizing. I think people just generally do not have the money, the disposable income that all of these chain restaurants think that they've got. And you look at the millennials who can't afford to get onto the property ladder. I think the way that the casual dining sector is going to go over the next decade is the operators that can really strip back the costs and pass those savings onto the customer are going to be the ones that win and remain busy. So how would I do it? I'd do this as a franchise and I'd offer very generous incentives to the franchisees so that if they want to work all the hours that God gives them, they want to be at the door greeting the customer, cooking the pizza, etc., then they can and they'll only just make more money through it. I want to reach a point in this franchise where I'm just working on the franchise, I'm never working in any of the franchises. Is it scalable? I think if I could prove profitability with a couple of outlets, 
then I think that investors would be interested. Is it future proof? Pizza and ice cream has stood the test of time. It's delicious. It's not going anywhere. Business idea number two, and this is very simple, is salad boxes made fresh, made how you like, super healthy, delivered to your location. And that's what it is. Why would this work? I think it would work because people are just generally becoming more and more health conscious and wanting to eat fresher, healthier food. How I'd do it, I'd design an app or website and people would log on there and they'd choose their base, which would be your spinach or salad leaves or sweet potato. You'd choose your protein element, your veg element, your crunchy elements and seeds or nuts and then your dressing. So you'd design your own salad and then I'll let people give, them, give it a name. So they can give it a name like Monday Refuel, uh, Post-Workout Protein, Game Changer, whatever. That way when they next go onto the app, if they don't want to be thinking or going through the process of designing their salad, they just think, oh, I just want to have what I had last week. That combination of flavours worked quite well for me. They can type that in and they see their, uh, their game changer salad and they can just order that. The other thing I want to be doing is I'd be want to outs completely outsourcing the whole delivery operation to these fantastic companies such as Deliveroo and Just Eat. There's never been a better time to start a takeaway operation now. Companies like Just Eat and Deliveroo offer the opportunity for takeaways to just reach a mass market and take all of the legwork out of getting that product out to the mass market. I think this is the best time to start a takeaway. So I probably wouldn't have a shop front, I'd just have a small unit somewhere and as I said the website and the app and then I'd let Deliveroo and Just Eat do all the rest. People will not always have at home all the ingredients they need to make a fantastic salad. And even if they do, they might not be at home. They'll be at work or maybe a, a new city where they're not sure about where to go for good food. So we would add that reliability and that reliability that what you're going to be eating is going to really, really serve your body well. Is it scalable? I think I'd want to just conquer one city at a time. Is it future-proof? I think personalised, healthy eating delivered to your location is incredibly future-proof. You think they're gonna, all the money that Just Eat are investing in drone technology, drones will be able to take stuff from A to B, no problem. So then the question becomes, what do people actually wanna eat? And I think people wanna eat these healthy, freshly made salads, just clean eating, clean eating. No shit, no sugar, no added artificial flavors or anything like that, just clean eating straight to you. Business idea number three, and I'm quite excited about this one, mainly because people have been trying to do it, but no, it's, it, the mind boggles why no one has actually nailed this yet. No one has done it yet. And that is to create the UK's number one premium non-alcoholic drink. And the way I'd do this is I'd use a drink called shrubs. And what shrubs are is it's a fruit puree mixed with a type of vinegar, so usually a cider vinegar, and then you add your fizz, so your soda water or fizzy water or tonic. And that creates a really delicious, interesting, um, non-alcoholic drink. It's got a similar mouthfeel to an alcoholic drink, and you get that kick from the vinegar element at the back of your throat that you get from an alcoholic drink. You can use in these shrubs an interesting combination of fruits to create that interesting flavour that you'd have in a nice wine or a craft beer. Um, it would not have too much fruit and maybe take away some of the sugar there so that it's not got that sort of sweet sickly flavor that you get in a lot of soft drinks. I still want to have it a sort of non-sweet characteristic to this drink and I would be wanting to create a similar level of care and process 
used to make this non-alcoholic drink that you'd find in a craft beer or a wine. And that's how I'd want to charge the premium price for it. Why would this business idea work? I think people are crying out for an alternative to alcoholic drinks, an interesting alter alternative to an alcoholic drink. You've got a company out there currently called Seedlip who market themselves as a non-alcoholic spirit and their drink is very underwhelming. That doesn't tell me that people are stupid for buying it, it just says that people are crying out for an interesting alternative to booze. Fever Tree, who've got it fairly, well, they've got it right and their business has absolutely skyrocketed. Grant, granted, their tonics are often mixed with gin, but often people just drink them as an alternative to drinking alcohol, just an interesting, nice, soft drink. I think the demand for it is massive and I think that people over the coming into the going into the future will more and more be looking for an alternative to alcohol. It links into my business idea number two. People are wanting to be more healthy. So I, I would want to create the UK's premium non-alcoholic drink. And I think the potential for that is absolutely huge. There's already a little niche market of people who add vinegar to their drinks. If you Google the benefits of drinking cider vinegar, there's loads of stuff on there. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but if it catches on as a trend, I think that could happen very easily as well. Because it's a premium drink, it's more likely to find its way onto the menus, the drinks menus of restaurants. And is this idea scalable? If I could just get the brand right and find a good person to, a good company to manufacture the drink, then really, really aggressively get the word out there and go through these steps. I think this is the most easily scalable of the business ideas uh, that I have from what little I know. Is it future proof? Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, with people drinking less alcohol. Business idea number four. And business idea number four would be to make furniture out of common waste materials that are due for the scrapyard. So, for example, I think those wooden reel holders would make fantastic coffee tables. Disused, disused scaffolding planks would make fantastic shelving. Uh, car or buses due for the scrapyard you could take the seating out of them and make some sort of cool sofa my friend's dad he said he made a really good long log burner out of the metal drum of a his broken laundry machine so it's taking these materials that already have a story behind them and already have had a use and then transforming them into interesting furniture there's already a trend in food towards people wanting to know where their food come from has come from. If people get a steak and say, you know, is it farmed near here? Was it slaughtered near here? Did that slaughterhouse have high welfare standards and all the rest of it? I think that sort of attitude, I think that will spread into every area of what people pay money for, including furniture. The way I'd really, really make it work for me is I would test the market with a product. So if, let's take, for example, my friend's dad's log burner that he made. I would make one, I would see if it sells well on my website. Once I know that it sells well and people like the story behind it of how I've made it, I'd then approach a company like AO or Curry's or whatever and I'd be saying to them, you know, what do you do with your second-hand washing machines? Where do they end up? And I'd find out where they end up. I'd source them and I'd scavenge or buy or, or take out all of the old metal drums and then make a, a line of a hundred units of these log burners out of the metal drums or approach PT about the wooden reel holder in a similar way. Where do, where do they get sent when they reach the end of their useful life? And that way I can slowly increase my range of products that I do. IKEA didn't immediately 
start by selling the thousands of products that it does today. It started with a product called, was called a Lovet, and it was a little leaf-shaped side table, flat packed, and they just started there and then just gradually increased their project range, product range. So I think this business is scalable. It will require a lot of thought and a lot of time. Is this business future-proof? It is massively future-proof. This business is recycling. It's the way the world is going. It's the way the world has got to go. I think in the future, we will just be recycling everything we can. So this has got massive future-proofness. So those are my four ideas. You've got the pizza and ice cream franchise. You've got the fresh salad boxes, made fresh, delivered to your location. And you've got the shrubs, the UK's premium non-alcoholic drink. And you've got the furniture idea, making furniture out of waste materials that were due for the scrapyard. I hope you've enjoyed this video. I'm going to now go off and I'm going to show this video to a small handful of people that I really want to get the opinion of. And I'm going to think over what they say. I'm going to read a couple more books on the various industries that we talked about here. And I'm going to let it all sink in and eventually come up with a decision.